Welcome everyone to Tour Today Ministries and our continuing series called Parsha Seasonings, where we take some uh, hidden details from the Hebrew and from the Torah scroll and share them with you as I believe God has things to speak to us through these fine details in his word. So, Leklaka, this is where we come to the story of Abraham. This is the third Torah portion in the Torah. And uh, the first Torah portions, the first two, cover a period of about 2,000 years. It's as if God is in a hurry to get us to the story of Abraham. And once we come to Abraham, the narrative slows way down. And God spends a lot more time talking about Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his 12 sons. He spends so much time on this, this handful of generations than he does on the creation and the first 2,000 years of history. This is the focus of the story. And this is reflected in a verse and a word way back in Genesis chapter 2. I've waited till now to share this verse with you. But Genesis 2.4, we can go back to the very first Torah portion. And it says there, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that Adonai Elohim made the earth and the heavens. And this phrase, when they were created, is all one word in Hebrew. And this is how that word appears in Torah scrolls. And the word is Bahibaram. The bait at the beginning of a word means in or with, and hey means the, and it has other uses near the front of a word. And there's our word bara, which means to create, and baram means to create them. Bahi baram. But you notice something odd. And this is the way this word is, is written in every Torah scroll in the world. This second letter, the letter hey, is written small, very undersized, and kind of up off the line. And so the question is, why? Why is God drawing our attention to this particular word? And that's the question that the sages have asked over the centuries. And as they look at this, they notice something very interesting. If we look at this word, we can rearrange the letters to spell Ba'avraham, there's Abraham's name. And Ba'avraham means for Abraham, and I see I misspelled Abraham there. I guess I need to check my work a little more closely, huh? So it's as if God is hiding this detail, and he's saying that the whole creation, the heavens of the, and the earth, were created for Abraham. I believe this is one of the reasons why things slow way down when we get to the story of Abraham. It's almost as if the first two Torah portions, the creation, the expanse of the human race, the flood, the cleansing of the earth from all the sin, and then we see the birth of Abraham. It's as if God has written the play, he's built the stage, he's provided the prelude and the introduction to the play. And now it's time for the main character to come onto the stage. And that main character is Abraham. And not just Abraham, but Abraham's children, Isaac and Jacob. And these are the fathers, the ha'avot of the Jewish people. And then Paul tells us that anyone who walks in the steps of Abraham is a child of Abraham. And so if you are living by faith in a God you can't see, 
You're living by faith as Abraham did. You've heard God's call on your heart. You've decided to leave all to follow him. You are a child of Abraham. In fact, in Judaism, whenever a Gentile converts to Judaism, he's called so-and-so Ben Avraham, uh, so-and-so son of Abraham, because he's walking in the steps of Abraham. So every convert, and I believe every true believer who's, who's given their life to the Lord is a Ben Avraham. And this is what Paul teaches in Romans. So I, th I find this fascinating that if the rabbis are correct, that even way back here in the early story of Genesis and the creation, God's dropping a hint for the whole purpose of his creation. And that's for the sake of Abraham and his children, even his children by faith which is you and me. Well, let's go on a bit further. Now let's get back into our Torah portion. And we have the story of Abraham and Lot. And as you know, they had a lot of possessions and, and Lot's servants and shepherds did not get along well with Abraham's. And so Abraham proposed a separation. And he told Lot, well, if you go north, I'll go south. If you go south, I'll go north. But Lot decided, I'm gonna go east. I'm gonna go back over the Jordan and uh, he saw the land of Sodom there in the Jordan Valley. Um, what's interesting, and I guess I should have put this word on here, but it's in our Torah portion here that Abraham, for the first time, is called an Ivri, the one to cross over. But um, <clears throat> Lot decided to cross back over into the land that they had come from. And it says, so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Now, the words in red here are the words that are translated from the Hebrew you see below. Mekedim, from the east, or uh, actually, I don't know why it says from the east in Hebrew, when he actually went to the east, we know that. Uh, so there's something going on here I don't quite understand. V'yif pardu and he separated ish, a man, may all achiv. Uh, so the man separated from achiv, his brother. All right. And um, if you take the final letters, the mem, the vav, the shin, and the lamad of these four words, rearrange them, it spells the word shalom, peace. Sometimes the only way to achieve peace between two warring factions is through a separation. Now, it's always great if you can make peace together, but, uh, and we're told to make peace in so far as we are able. But when we're not able to make peace anymore, peace is only gonna come through a separation. Now, don't carry that too far, but also don't resist separation if it becomes necessary. Now, here is a hint to this first word, though. Uh, Kedem is one of the words for east. Mikedem means from the east. But it could be that God ordained that this word begin with a mem, which means from the east. It should say kedma, toward the east, or lakedem, to the east. But this says makedem, from the east, even though we know Lot went to the east. Why this makedem? It's because, I believe, is this. Makedem can also mean from the ancient one. From the ancient one. It's almost as if God has given us a hint that when Lot chose as he did, 
and he did not pursue peace with Abraham and his servants and his family. He actually traveled from the Ancient One. He moved away from God himself. Now Abraham's not God, but Abraham was God's friend. And to separate from God's friend and this man who's called by God, and then to go back, to go back where they'd come from, and to settle in Sodom, and we're going to learn later all the horrible things that happened there. He was actually traveling from God. We need to be careful that when we separate ourselves from godly people, to a great degree, we're separating ourselves from God himself. So we need to be careful whenever there's a separation that takes place. Also in this Torah portion, we come to the story of Sarah and Hagar. If you recall, uh, Abraham, during a famine, went down to Egypt and uh, sojourned there for a while. And you can read about, it sounds like a soap opera when you read the story and the, and the trouble he kind of got into. But anyways, when Pharaoh sent him back out, he gave Abraham um, riches and cattle and camels. And also he gave him some servants. And it's believed that one of the servants that Pharaoh gave Abraham was Hagar. And after 10 years of marriage to Sarai, Abram's wife, um, she just couldn't get pregnant. And so she got this great idea. I'll take my handmaid, Hagar, and give her to Abraham as a wife. And Hagar can raise children and can birth children for us. So she did. Hagar got pregnant. And then I guess Hagar got up on her hind legs, got a little uppity. And it really made Sarah angry. So Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May Adonai judge between me and between you. And as you read the story, Sarai was a bit harsh with Hagar, and Hagar ran away. God speaks to her and sends her back. But then later, she is sent away by Abraham with her son Ishmael. But that is later on. Now, when I put here to judge between me and between you, that is not good English grammar, but that is, reflects how it is worded in Hebrew. Whenever in Hebrew it says between me and you or between this and that, it's always between me and between you or between this and between that. The between is repeated. It, in Hebrew, it's beni uveneka. So between me and between you, that phrase is this word uveneka. Now, when you look at this word, you'll notice it has a dot over it. And this is the way it appears in Torah scrolls. This is not a vowel point. There are no vowel points in a Torah scroll. But in every Torah scroll in the word, world, this word has a dot over this letter Yud. And Yud, of course, is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. When the Messiah said, not one jot or tittle will pass from the Torah to laws fulfilled, he would say, not one Yud, well, not the smallest letter. And that's the smallest letter. And over that letter, there's a, a, a dot, which is called a Nikud, which is a spot. Later on, we'll read about Jacob's flock that was spotted and speckled. And it says that his flock was nikud, it had spots on it. So there's a spot over that letter. Why is there a dot over this letter yud? And why is this in every Torah scroll in the world? 
Well, the sages tell us that little dot there represents one of Abraham's sperm cells, a sperm cell that was passed to Hagar because Sarai had this bright idea. And as a result, Hagar became pregnant and then she later gives birth to Ishmael. And then Hagar and Ishmael are driven away and Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nations. He becomes the father of Islam later on, generations later. It all comes out of that little dot. So every time when I read this Torah portion, I see that little dot. It reminds me how little things can have an enormous impact on the world. The secret of spiritual power is smallness and anonymity. And that spiritual power, whether it's for good or for bad. So anyways, that little dot should be a reminder to us. The power of little things. Now in chapter 15 of Genesis, God makes a blood covenant with Abraham. This is an incredibly important thing. And it's beyond the purview of the Parsha Seasoning series. Uh, but you might want to go back and listen to my teachings from Beth the Kuhn when we've covered Genesis 15. Uh, this is so foundational to our understanding of the scriptures and, and especially of the, the apostolic scriptures. Uh, this blood covenant, uh, it, it, this was a blood covenant between two men. This is a blood covenant that God established with a man. Blood covenants were only established between equals. And yet God in his humility establishes a blood covenant with Abraham. Now, when two men entered a blood covenant, they would always do something to show that they're in covenant relationship and they would take part of their name and give it to the other. Marriage is also a covenant. It's not a blood covenant, but in marriage, it's traditional for the woman to take the husband's name. His name is given to her. And, uh, but in a blood covenant between two men, they would each take part of their name and give it to the other. So it says in Genesis 17, 5, and no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Abram means father of many. Abraham means father of multitudes. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And then you go down 10 more verses to verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now here is how God shared his name with Sarai and Abram and changed their names. God's name is spelled yud Hey vav Hey. He has two He's in his name. And He is just a like a letter H. It's just an outbreathing. And so what he did, he took one of his He's and he put it in Abram right here. And it became Abraham. Avraham is how it's pronounced in Hebrew. And then he put uh, the other hay in Sarai's name. He, he took off the yud and Sarai became Sarah with a hay at the end. Okay, so this explains the change in names. He gave part of his name to Abram and Sarai. So they're now Abraham and Sarah. But the sages ask the question, what happened to the Yud? 
As, after all, as I just quoted, uh, the master said not one yud or tagin, one decoration will pass from the Torah. So what happens to this yud? Did it pass from the Torah? Well, I think the answer, at least the answer that the, the sages give us, is found later on in the book of Numbers. Before uh, Hoshea is sent into war, Moses changes his name. It's in Numbers 13, 16. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Yehoshua. Now, Joshua is how it's uh, pronounced in English most of the time, but there is no J sound in Hebrew. It would be Yehoshua. And so see what's happened. Hosea, which is just the name as the pro, same as the, uh, the name of the prophet Hosea, he added a yud to the front and became Yehoshua. Later, this is shortened to Yeshua, because uh, Joshua and Yeshua are the same name. So, did God take the yud from Sarai and hold on to it, and then later deposit it in Joshua's name? This is the, the legend. And I'll leave it to you to figure out why the Yud from Sarai goes over to Joshua. But um, one thing's for sure, nothing's ever wasted with God. Even though he is eternal and there's no end to what he has to give, he still does not like waste. And another thing too, the letter Yud being the, the smallest of the letters and the only one that is suspended up in there. It's always thought of to be a, a picture of God's Spirit. And so to take this Yud and to add it to Joshua, it's not that he took a spirit away from Sarah, not at all, because the in Sarah's name is like his breath, his spirit. But he took that Yud and he placed it in Hosea's name to make him into Joshua. And oh, the things that Joshua accomplished after this are quite incredible. So anyways, I hope these few brief little seasonings of the Torah portion are a blessing to you. There's so much going on under the surface. So there's some food for thought here, I hope. And I hope this will be a blessing and you'll ponder on these things. And, and don't hesitate to, if you're on YouTube or on the website, to go down and, and uh, leave a comment and a question. And I'll be happy to get back with you. So, till next time, may God bless, and I wish you shalom.